Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And we are now moving strong into the next 100 episodes. I think we're at episode about 102 today with Dan Griffin. And Dan is an author and keynote speaker, and he is dedicated to transforming the conversation about what it means to be a man in the 21st century. He is an expert on men's relationships, and he spent eight years as a coordinator in the state drug court in Minnesota, but then he switched over and took all of his expertise and has taken this into being a consultant and working with programs all around the country. He is the author of three books, including A Man's Way Through Relationships, How to Love, and be loved. And I met Dan at the National Speakers Association Winter Conference last year. We sort of had a serendipitous dinner where we invited a bunch of people who we didn't know to come with us for dinner. And I actually sort of uh, give you this idea for the next time you go to a conference, if there's dinner on your own, don't just hang out with your clique. Get two or three of your friends like I did at this winter conference and said, okay, everybody go find three people you've never met before who don't have dinner plans. So we looked around for people who were first timers or just people we'd never encountered who looked like they may or may not have had plans for dinner. And I don't know, I think we had like 15 people go out for pizza. And it was probably one of the best dinners I've ever been to at a conference, the serendipity of all these people coming together. And you just don't know who you're going to sit next to. And I sit, sat next to Dan. And he was new to our association, but he certainly wasn't new to going out and spreading his message and really impacting groups. And I thought, you know, you're the type of person who kind of spun your life around and turned it into something that's really inspiring. I have to have you on my podcast. And so just through scheduling and time and everything going different directions, it's taken a few months. But I welcome to the show, Mr. Dan Griffin. Dan, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks, Tom. Thanks so much for the wonderful introduction for having me. Um, it, it has been such a joy to not only meet you, but to connect with the uh, the incredible talent at the National Speakers Association, particularly in the uh, infamous XY group. That's right. I think we might be infamous, but it is like a little family within a big organization. And uh, it's definitely, you know, when you join any trade association, if you can find your home, your people, you're going to find the ROI from paying dues, you know, for an association just quadruples through the roof. So many people think, oh, I'm going to join this group and suddenly it's going to solve all my business problems. No, you're going to join this group means you're going to pay dues. If you really want to have value from that, you've got to sit down and, and get to know the people and peel back that onion and find out their story. And I actually think as a new member, you're doing a great job of reaching out to people and, and sort of quickly building those types of friendships and establishing yourself, you know, a reputation. Thank you. Thank so, you. It's, it's important to me to the skill, the talent, the expertise, insight that I've gotten already in the short time that I've been engaged has been um, incredible. And, uh, you know, hopefully I'm also contributing as well. Uh, but I'm soaking it up like a sponge. And, you know, I think making sure that you have a solid business behind your speaking and consulting is not only is important to you, but I think it sends a, a, a long, uh, powerful message of respect to your clients and to your peers. So, Dan, speaking of business, and I think actually that point you made, I think is very relevant no matter what industry you're in. 
that, you know, you've got to have that, that, that solid commitment to your business and to your industry in order, you know, to, to have that success that we're all longing for. So tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got there. Yeah. So what I do is, as you said in the beginning, is it's really focused on um, helping, helping programs, organizations, and individuals uh, work with men to find the same success in their personal lives that they're seeking to find in their professional lives. I have spent the last 20 years working in the addictions and mental health field and have become quite successful in that field. And in the last five years, been able to really parlay my initial success in the area of drug courts that you mentioned and to launch this business around men and masculinity and specifically looking at men's relationships and men in trauma and the experience of trauma and how that affects our lives. And in the last five years when I was doing that, so many people in the audience would say, well, what about getting this into the schools? What about the corporate environment? This is about men. This isn't about men with addictions. And so I've just been listening to that message and now in the last year have been taking the message even more broadly. And that brings up, you're just, we're, you know, four minutes in here and you're bringing up really good points. And that is you're listening to what people say. That's so many of my guests and so many entrepreneurs and solopreneurs that I talk to when I ask, how'd you get into that? They say, I was doing something kind of adjunct to it over here on the side, adjacent to it over here on the side. And my clients kept asking for this. So who makes up your typical client? I mean, who, you know, I, I kind of think, oh, you know, men's issues, you know, I, I don't see that so much in companies. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of women's initiatives inside companies and they have sort of, you know, the, the women's day and they bring in a lot of speakers. But, but who's hiring Dan Griffin? So right now, I would say the... 80% of my business is still in the addictions and mental health field. Um, I have been moving into a broader sector. And then who's hiring me? I mean, it really, it's, it's the organizations just like you mentioned, the ones who see the value in supporting women. They see the value in doing special programming for women and get, and this is the key, and get that that's incomplete if they're not also doing something to help men navigate the significantly changing expectations of the last 20 years around how men show up professionally and personally in our lives. And so in some ways, I'm working to help organizations and others see that there is a value, that this is not about reinforcing a old boys club but rather transforming that old boys club into a whole, wholly new sense of men um, and men interacting in a corporate environment in, with new rules. So, Dan, what are the changing expectations for men? You bring that up. You know, I think that that's important. But and I think we all feel it, whether we're men or women in the workplace. There's definitely been changes in the, you know, the 20 years I've been in the workforce. However, what are those changes? Yeah. So. You know, what I talk about is I talk about this idea of the man rules, and it's these ideas that we get as kids from the parents, from the media, and we, we take it in, and so much of it is unconscious. Um, and so there's this foundation that we get that we don't necessarily have a lot of awareness of, and it drives a lot of our behavior. So there's that kind of superstructure. But then on top of that, in the last 20 years, I mean, think about how men have been allowed in particular to be fathers publicly. Think about the expectations for men 
in relationships. All you have to do is look over the last 20 years at how men have uh, been, the expectations for men have risen through Dr. Phil, through Oprah, through the Oprahization of our culture. The expectations are, are huge for men and how we're supposed to show up in our relationships. And yet a lot of those expectations are contrary to how we're raised as men. In the corporate environment, think of what you and so many of our peers in NSA do. I mean, we're talking about authenticity, but usually it's connected to trust and vulnerability and EQ and all of these characteristics and practices and skills that are counter to how we were raised as men and that are counter to an overall masculine culture. And that tension is significant. And we're not helping men or organizations navigate the complexity of that, I think, very well. So we're basically putting a, well, I'm not going to say putting lipstick on a pig, but it's not (laughs) too far from that with some of these organizations where You're asking them to take on a philosophy that is so counter to the way they've run for so long. It is um, there's there's not enough awareness of the core philosophy of some of the core um, ideology. And so men, I think, have an incredible amount of confusion today around how we are supposed to show up as men and when it's safe to be a certain kind of more relaxed masculinity is what I call it versus uh, a greater expectation for the more traditional quote unquote man roles. So it's interesting that you bring this up and you, you know, you talk about your businesses shifting more into, to corporate business, but what's going through my mind is I, you know, I've worked for myself for a long time, but I worked in the corporate world and, you know, there were all kinds of, of women's initiatives. I worked for a woman who was a very successful entrepreneur and I wanted to put her up for the award for like the top woman business person. And she wouldn't allow me to for a couple of years because she said, look, I don't compete with women. I compete with everybody. I don't believe in those rewards. And then I finally wore her down. And of course, she won the award and had a great time at the event and got involved with the organization and all that. And I got to go to that luncheon because I was the one who nominated her. And I think I was one of four men in a room with 500 women. And there was a lot of energy. It was a really positive event. But even at that time, and I mean, this was six or seven years ago, even at that time, I thought, what if they had like an all men's group? Who would come? So do you find as you get into that thing that there's pushback, like people don't even want to show up at your program? Oh, my God. Okay, so first, let me be really clear that moving, when we talk about moving into corporate, I would say we're still in the process of researching exactly what that looks like. Who's re- who's resonating with my message right now, and it's been very interesting, are women, hmm. and women who are focused on relationships. Now, why would that be? Well, you know, you got all these powerful women out there empowering women, and it's kind of like, Who's showing up for the men to help them actually meet the women and be able to show up in the relationship the way women want? And because I have a pretty provocative message when it comes to women's role in all of this, some of the women and men who are hearing it are sharing my name with relationship experts who are saying, hey, this guy's got a different approach, a different take on how all this works. And shifting away from this idea that if we could just get men to do blank and blank, everything would be better. And it's much more complex than that. So is there pushback? 
oh my God, there's incredible pushback. There's still the women who say, why do we need something for men? Everything's been about men. So, you know, that's, that's a thoughtless reaction before people even have a chance to understand what I do. And it's fear-based, but I get it. And I think for a lot of men, it's not on their radar because while a lot of men feel, I think you said it very well, a lot of men feel what's been happening. It's not that conscious and it's not that intentional. And as a result, I think men are just, uh, particularly because of the way we're raised, right? We're not raised to talk about that emotional ambiguity. We're not raised to kind of say, wow, I feel a little bit off and like I don't fit in amongst other men and that my masculinity is somehow <laughs> being challenged. I mean, that that's inherently contradictory to the man rules. And so um, when I get in front of men and I can share my message, it's transformational because I speak to what they've been feeling for the last 20 years in a very compassionate and enlightening way. Um, until I get in front of them and until they've heard me, it's just kind of like, uh, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> well, I wrote a book several years ago as part of a series. Uh, I wrote a book called Some Assembly Required, How to Make, Grow, and Keep Your Business Relationships. And a woman I know, it was a friend of mine, a business person, a speaker came to me and said, I love the book, but you left out all these things that women need to do. So I challenged her, go rewrite the book. So I don't know, seven years ago, we released Some Assembly Required, a networking guide for women. And you know, I've always made the joke that, you know, the book has been really, really popular. In fact, we're re-releasing it this fall in a second edition because so much has changed in the world of business over the last seven years, especially when you think about networking and all the online tools that didn't even exist seven years ago. So uh, we're re-releasing the book and we're expecting it to be really popular again. But the joke has always been, how come there's no Some Assembly Required, a networking guide for men? And I said, you know, I've just never thought that, uh, you know, anybody would buy that book. And you know, that people would look at me funny for doing it. So it's interesting, sort of the way you bring it up, that once you get through that, people go, yeah, oh, I get it. Yeah, you know, and that they, they suddenly champion the, the, the message. Yeah, it, it, you know, as somebody who's been looking at this now for 20 years and very intensely for the last five, um, you know, it was percolating for, for many years. And I was in an administrative governmental job and I started doing more training and I just, you know, I remember driving to one of my trainings thinking, why am I working as an administrator? I, I suck at it. I don't like it. It's not, it doesn't feed my spirit. I would love to just train. And then I started doing training and then I started doing more plenaries. And then I'm like, man, the training is good, but I love speaking. <laughs> and <laughs> And so it's been this kind of narrowing, right, of kind of where I, I feel like life has been really kind of calling me. Um, and, you know, I, I think the, the bottom line is I got turned down from four publishers for my last book, A Man's Way Through Relationships. And the truth is the response was men don't buy books and men sure as hell are not going to buy a book on relationships. And I said, well, you know what? I beg to differ, and, I, and there's one way you can guarantee men will not write a, buy a book that was written to them about relationships, and that's to not publish it. <laughs> and, and at some point, right, somebody has to capture what's been happening and move it and move the ball down the line even when the, you know, the offense is stacked against you. You can still move it, and 
I think that's that's how it feels to me that there is a sea change coming, and it's coming quickly. Um, where five or ten years from now, just even this idea that you and I are having this conversation, and it's not, um, it's it still seems like there's some some skepticism or some question as to the validity or the the real need for this. I think will just be. Uh, a non-starter. Well, you, you just dropped a, an information nugget or a, a knowledge nugget there that I think I have to go back to and that you may not have even realized you said it. And that is a surefire way to make sure that nobody will buy your product is not to produce it. I mean, that's not exactly what you said, but I think that's great advice for all entrepreneurs is, you know, no one's going to buy your product or service if you don't offer it out there to the world. Absolutely. And you know what? I could have also played to the lowest common denominator, Tom. I could have bought into this idea that men don't care about relationships or that men suck at relationships. And I could have um, I could have entitled the book, you know, why men suck at relationships and what you can do about it. And and, and because of how core this message and how personally um, powerful and important this message is to me, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to speak to what I know is in the heart of the majority of men, which is a a real yearning to connect and to love in the face of these man roles that essentially teach us how not to do that. So, Dan, you sort of transitioned into being an entrepreneur because you were in a job that you said you didn't necessarily love and you weren't necessarily great at. And all of a sudden on the side, you were doing this stuff and you got really passionate about it. And all of a sudden, poof, it became your full time job. So now that you have been for several years working as a, a speaker and a trainer and a consultant, what do you absolutely love about that life of working for yourself, about being an entrepreneur? Well, <laughs> my uh, my employment history is somewhat spotted. So the one of the things I love is the fact that it take it would take a lot for me to get fired. Um, <laughs> me too. <laughs> but the other is, I mean, it's a beautiful, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful life in the sense that, you know, I, um, I, I wanted freedom. I wanted the freedom to be able to say, you know what, I want to go to the gym today. I, I want to be able to make my own schedule. I want to, I want to have complete control over my message and where it goes and how it goes. And as challenging as it has been, I love a challenge. I love, I am the proverbial tilter at windmills. And, um, you know, the, the power of that. Um, and, and after five years of the blood, sweat, and tears to, to see what I've been able with incredible amount of help and support um, to create, is incredibly, it's just incredibly validating and fulfilling. So is there anything you don't love about it? Are there any days where you think, wait, I could go back and work for the state? I have never once thought, oh, I should just get another job. But there are times where, I mean, let's put it this way. I had a job where the whole structure was set up, the organization was set up. It was pretty clear what I needed to do, even though I was, even in that point, I was um, a kind of entrepreneur in some ways because I was creating a position that had never existed in the judicial branch um, previous in Minnesota. But it is hard. I mean, it, what I what I don't like is the fact that the path, what I love and what I also don't like, I guess you could say, is that the path is not clearly laid out in front of me. And there's really not somebody who can say, you have to do this, this, and this, and then this is what's going to happen. Um, and uh, the the stress maybe of 
building a small business and having a being a father of a six year old and being in a very loving and committed marriage and being required to be on the road a lot. Um, that as much as I love it when I'm in the space of speaking and teaching, um, the distance and the, the um, separation from my family is tough. So, Dan, what advice do you have for somebody who wants to strike out on their own? Maybe they want to do something similar to what you're doing and take their passion and, and become a trainer. Or maybe they have an idea for a product or a service and they want to build you know, a company that's bigger than just a solopreneur. What advice do you have for someone who maybe is in that sort of dead-end job that they don't love or they're not great at? And they're thinking about this. They're listening to this episode thinking, I want to be like Dan Griffin. Well, okay, so the first advice is um – you know, it's it's like those uh, those movies where you say, you know, careful before you enter, um, because I would say be very thoughtful about moving into this space. And and what I took nine months before I decided to leave my job, my wife and I looked at our budget. Um, we looked at um, what I would be doing while we were building the business to um, ensure that there was some minimum income and that even if I didn't succeed, we would have the income that we needed. Um, and, you know, in retrospect, I would have been even more thoughtful and more had an even more clear plan around how I was going to transition out and start the business. So, you know, in some ways, it's kind of like jump and build your wings down, you know, on, on the way down. But I would say do it in a way that is really thoughtful and guided. You know, it was clear to me, it became clear to me, Tom, that that was the right move. That, that small, intuitive, knowing voice was like, it's time. And, and the stars aligned and, and that was it. And so I think you have to be going towards something not away from something. If you're just trying to get out of your dead end job, you know, that may or may not work. But if you've got something that is in your heart and in your passion and you move toward that and you build around that, um, I think that has um, a lot, a lot of potential. And um, if you surround yourself with the right people or just through sheer commitment, um, it's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful way to go. So Dan, I got a couple more questions for you, but before we get there, I got to thank my sponsor. So this episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly, they do all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Dan Griffin. For an exclusive offer to those of you listening to this show, check out podfly.net slash cool things. They're the producers who put on this show, and I couldn't do it without them. In fact, I never could have got it started if I hadn't discovered them a year ago at the Podcast Movement Conference, and they have been absolutely one of the best vendors I've ever worked with. So I'm really proud that I work with them, and I'm really thankful that they have decided to sponsor this show because they have been a very good friend through all of this. So Dan, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So why don't you tell everybody what's the coolest thing you're doing with your company right now? 
Yeah, so I was I was thinking about that. Honestly, I think one of the coolest things that I'm doing, and this may sound a little, um, I, I don't know, uh, like a, a little too um, easy or, or whatever, but honestly, one of the things that I'm doing that I think is really cool is I'm creating a real business. I'm moving out of the space of, hey, I, I do trainings and I, um, I go around the country and speak and I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes <laughs> to actually running a business. I think the cool thing that I'm doing is I've hooked in with a group of people who are as passionate about speaking as I am and who are incredibly more knowledgeable about running a speaking business than I am. And I am taking some of those best ideas and I'm building a true business. I now have a S corporation for my addictions and mental health side. I've got an LLC for the broader um, message part of this. I am building a team of people. I'm bringing on assistants the, the, the use of a virtual assistant has been transformational, and I have to give a shout out, uh, if I can, to EA Help, um, who has just been wonderful for me in the face of so many folks out there say that they are the, the virtual assistant who are going to do everything that you need, and they're going to under-promise and over-deliver, and they're the ones that are going to make up for the virtual assistants that didn't do the job. And I had that happen like two or three times. And then EA Help came along and said, no, we really are that person. And I said, yeah, right. Okay, fine. Their structure of support, they actually have what's called a relationship manager who helps to navigate the relationship between you and the virtual assistant. And you're regularly checking in with them. And you've got somebody who can help, you know, with communication and with any challenges in the relationship and just incur and provide additional resources and guidance. So for me, you know, that's a very cool thing. I've brought on a social media strategist. So it's like, I'm actually, what I, what I think is really cool is I'm getting excited about it. I've got a business coach and I've got a business um, structure framework that we've got called traction that really makes it easy to keep moving the business down the line. Um, you know, I've already met my goals, every goal that I had set for, um, for this year I've met. And, um, you know, that's an amazing feeling. Well, and that's so awesome because it is true, especially if you're a first time business person and you're, you're jumping into it at being a solopreneur, you know, the business side of it often gets, you know, the best of you because, you know, we all want to go do whatever our passion is, whatever our product or service is, you know, it's really fun to sell that, but there's so many other moving parts. And it's interesting as you talk about the transformation you've given your business in the last several months to make it more of a business. It was interesting just to hear your excitement level in your voice. And I think the listeners all picked up on that, that to get it running right and get it running smoothly and to meet those goals, you know, that is exciting. Yeah. I, I spent four years telling people I have no business running a business, um, that, that this is not for me and, and that, um, I'm just waiting to find the right person to get me out of the way. And my business coach looked at me at our last quarterly meeting and looked at, despite some significant, <laughs> some significant barriers and challenges that we had, we were able to go beyond, um, what we had, uh, scheduled for our quarterly goals and milestones. And he just looked at me and he said, you have to stop saying that. You are incredibly talented not having any business background and making this um, really work and be successful. And I'll I tell you, Tom, I mean, that's a great feeling. 
it, it, it's a good feeling to to think that you aren't necessarily very good at something, and then not only do you have some inherent or, or natural skill, but that with the right guidance and coaching, you know, you've been able to create uh, a role that I really didn't see myself enjoying. I think that's great. And I think it is true that we don't do this alone. And you kept talking about your business coaches, your virtual assistant, the other people, your wife, you know, you've mentioned several people there, you know, as, as much as we're solopreneurs, we're not. I mean, I, I never could have done everything that I've done if it wasn't for one of my friends. I always say I lived in the lucky dorm because I lived next door to a guy in college 31 years ago when we were freshmen who has become, you know, he's like my brother and he's godfather to my oldest child. And I mean, I don't remember a time where he wasn't part of my life, but he's a real driven business person and has had an incredibly successful career and now runs a couple of small businesses and is, is pretty much a full-time dad making sure that he's not missing out on what his kids are doing and you know he's really dedicated but the one thing is is he doesn't take bs answers and so i wanted to become a speaker and an author and this was i don't know 11 years ago and i'd talked about it for years and i'd studied the business and i'd met people and i'd read everything ever written on you know the industry and one day i was lamenting about this and he's like he pulled the car over we were coming back from sort of a boys ski weekend in tahoe driving back down to san francisco where i would fly back uh, to Texas, and he pulled over in one of those little turnouts on the mountain road, and he looked at me and he goes, "Stop it! <laughs> We're not going to talk about this anymore. You're either going to do it, or you're not going to do it." And we proceeded to, you know, have a long conversation. And he's kind of a serial entrepreneur in his soul. And you know, the next day he started New Year Publishing, so that I had a publisher to produce my first book, you know, which I now own part of, and and we've grown it into something that's, you know, legitimately a business, helping other people, you know, get a book out there as a marketing tool for their CEO or their industry. And it all came out of the fact that he's the type of person who doesn't like just blabber. You know, it was like, okay, you've, you've blabbered enough. Now let's take action. And I couldn't have done it without a friend like that. And yet, you know, most people think that when you go off on your own, you're doing it all alone. You know, I couldn't have done it if my wife wasn't, you know, there when I got laid off six years ago. And I said, I think I'm going to go pursue this full time. I'd, I'd already been down the path part time. I'd already released a couple books. If my wife hadn't, hadn't said, yes, I believe in you. And, you know, what's the worst thing that happens? We blow through, you know, $100,000 and we lose all our money and we start over, which is <laughs> Which, by the way, is kind of what happened, right? It took a lot longer to become profitable and to support the family than uh, my initial plan had said it would. But, you know, my kids have always been supportive when I'm on the road. You know, sometimes people say, oh, your dad travels a lot. And I love how people try to get the kids involved. Oh, your dad travels so much. My kids will look and say, yeah, but that's how dad buys the toys. You know, I mean, it's like, this is just what our life is, but I couldn't do it without those great people in my life who are around me and support me, you know, and then the people I've found through business and through the National Speakers Association and my mastermind group and, you know, different people who've coached me along the way. And I think that, you know, you've brought that up from the beginning of this conversation is, you know, you've talked about all the people who've been there, you know, supporting you and and teaching you. And I think that's a message that we have to drive home to people who want to go start their own business, is you have to be surrounded with the right people who love and support, help, but then challenge your BS and make you go take action. You know, I think that's, I mean, how awesome that you had that friend, the one who just said, you know, cared about you enough to say, you know what, just you know, I, I'm trying not to curse, but you know, <laughs> j- just blank or get off the pot, man. I mean, right. you know, talk is cheap, and and you know, I I I think that's such a powerful powerful thing to have. And and what I would say is, you know, you want to bring it back to what I do. Let's think about 
being a solopreneur and a male entrepreneur. Let's think about the man rules that I talked about. What are some of the biggest man rules? Well, one of the biggest, right, is don't look weak, but probably equally big is don't ask for help. So what does it take for a man to create a business? Well, first and foremost, you have to um, truly get beyond the idea of um, asking for help over and over and over again and realize that it has nothing to do with your masculinity or your competency or your professionalism. And honestly, I see a lot of guys that get taken down by the inability to not only ask for help, but to say, you know what, I'm floundering. Yeah, I'm showing up at this NSA conference and I've got the nice suit, but the truth is I'm floundering. I need help in this area or I don't even know what I'm doing in this area. And, um, you know, that's critical. That, that's, that's absolutely fundamental to being successful and being able to not kill yourself in trying to start a business. I mean, man, it, it's a huge rock that you're pushing up a huge hill. <laughs> I always make the joke that my business entity should be named Sisyphus because <laughs> that rock rolls down the hill quite often. I wake up in the morning and go, what's the rock doing here? Gosh. But so if you, could, if you can get your ego out of the way and if you cannot make it about – I mean, literally, I, I can't tell you how many men I've talked to where at a, at, a, at a certain point in the conversation, they realize they have made their success or lack of success, particularly as an entrepreneur – about their failure as a man, or they thinking that their success has something to do with, you know, validates them as men. And so that becomes a setup for later, right? But when you can kind of move with some consciousness and realize how some of those rules could get in the way of you being able to be successful, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. It's a, it's a wonderful process to navigate when you can say, oh, okay, I know why I'm not reaching out because I've still got all this stuff around asking for help. So I just need to pick up the phone and and just talk to somebody about that. Or I just need to take one small step so I can take the bigger step that I know I need to take. I, You know, not only is it a Sisyphean task, but it's humbling over and over and over and over and over again. Well, and you bring up a really interesting point, and that is, you know, the man rules that, you know, around asking for help and then about admitting failure. You know, we, we really are brought up not to do that. And I find it so often people who are having a real struggle in business, you know, people who I coach, they won't want to admit or they won't even tell me that they failed at something. And, you know, I tend to, to push people a little bit when I work with somebody on the fact that, you know, it's okay to fail because if you look at all the best entrepreneurs, they failed. I mean, Steve Jobs got pushed out of Apple in like the, the greatest, one of the biggest, you know, Greek tragedy failures of modern business times. And you know, he went out and founded the next company and then got involved with DreamWorks. And then, you know, and then they brought him back into Apple and had one of the biggest successes of all time. But if it hadn't been for that failure, he never could have gotten to that success. And I think you're right that those rules, you know, I tell people all the time that when I started this business, we hemorrhaged cash for two years. And I actually had someone say, wow, very few people in our industry talk about that. You hear them all talking about, oh, I spoke so many times and, you know, I get paid this much per keynote. And, you know, the reality for a lot of people is they've struggled or, or they're struggling again. I just think it's part of the journey. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think how much we share that part of our journey with each other has everything to do with, you know, being able to relish the journey and not make it something that we're slogging through. And then we finally feel as though we've arrived and our masculinity is, is, is once again intact. 
now that we've made this certain amount of money or we cert- you know or we've done this particular thing and and I'll tell you I mean because I'm very conscious of this for the last 5 years I've I've felt that you know I've felt the times where I've looked at my wife and I've said you know I feel like a failure I feel you know at the core of my being I feel like you know I'm letting you down I'm I'm or I'm I've got shame around this idea that right now you know when we first started um, like you said, I was not making the money I had hoped to make, and I had shame around that. Or, um, you know, even with the message that I put out there, you know, being able to just have confidence and and trust that people don't have to understand it or people don't have to validate it in order for it to have value, uh, I think. There's a lot of guys whose lives are built around external validation because we're not really encouraged to truly find that within. And that's a very, very precarious way to experience success. Um, It's a sad way to go through life. And yet I see some of our peers struggling with it uh, as much as anybody in the corporate world as well. I mean, the irony is working with some of the speakers and knowing some of the stuff behind the scenes and behind the curtain about what's happening in their families and how they're struggling in their relationships with their children um, behind this veil of, uh, you know, being a very successful, whether it's speaker or uh, entrepreneur. Hey, Dan, we could talk about Dan and all the man rules and everything that you bring to your clients all day long. But One of the things I think is the best entrepreneurs are observers, and I can tell in our conversation that you're someone who's very thoughtful, and so I love to ask this question to my guests on my show, and that is, outside of your business, who's another entrepreneur who you've observed, who you look at, and you say, wow, they are just crushing it? You know, I thought about that question, and I was like, holy cow, we could spend another 30 minutes just talking (laughs) about that because of the amazing people I met. I mean, there's Sylvie DiGiusio, right, out of New York, uh, image consultant, and she has developed this online uh, program for training consultants that has given her an opportunity to be out there doing what she loves while at the same time um, teaching and creating this whole passive income stream in many ways um, and training others to do you know this amazing work I, I think of Walter Bond you know Walter Bond has been a very very um, successful speaker I mean he just got you know inducted into the Speakers Hall of Fame what a lot of people don't know is he completely changed his business a year ago and what it took to do that and the impact that that has had um, has been, you know, significant. And again, what was it about? It was about diversifying the income and diversifying the business portfolio, so to speak, um, so that he could have greater impact as well as greater success. Um, you know, it's an endless, it's an endless group of people that I've encountered in, in the last seven months that I've been so impressed with. Uh, P.K. Ewing with, from Take Point Now. Here's a veteran who uh, wounded, a wounded veteran who sees how many veterans are coming back. And we've, we're giving a lot of lip service to what's happening to the veterans. But what he's done is he's hit it at a very interesting point. What he's saying is, yeah, it's about getting veterans involved, but it's also about 
giving them something to be excited about and literally from a physiological and neurological component, ensuring that the adrenaline that their brains have gotten trained to survive on as a part of battle and as a part of combat, that that can somehow find a healthy outlet. And so he's building a group of veterans around the country to break uh, jet ski records on jet skis that have been designed specifically for disabled veterans. I mean, come on. That's it's, it's, it's unbelievable. So, Dan, in addition to being great observers, I also think that great entrepreneurs want to do more than just make money. They, they want to leave their mark. They want to somehow help the greater good. What do you do? Well, I'd like to believe that my mission um, is in many ways that contribution. Uh, and I know that may sound a bit arrogant, but you know, this, this is not about making money for me. This is about a message because I've watched so many men struggle in their relationships. I've watched um, so many fathers who desperately want to father differently than they were fathered um, and not know how to do it. Uh, and so for me, part of, part of it, I, I believe, is doing what I do. Then beyond that is I have a very big commitment that the people especially in the addictions and mental health field, there are people who cannot necessarily afford my services, but I'm absolutely committed that they get the support that they need. And so, you know, I heard Cy Wakeman talk about build your fence. And then for anybody that you find within that fence, make sure that you can find a way to do business with them. And so I'm working hard, even when it's pro bono, um, to make sure that people in prisons and jails um, can get this message or that treatment programs that have no budget whatsoever um, can get a training or can get a workshop so that their staff can work more effectively with these men and help them navigate you know, trauma. So I think while my personal role is expanding, my heart will always be with um, a lot of the pers- people working in addictions and mental health who are struggling with some of the most difficult uh, men with some of the greatest difficulties and with such a challenging uh, issue as addiction. And, uh, you know, my, my hope is just to uh, reach as many of those people as I can and offer them some kind of service uh, that will help them help the men. Because when we help the men, everybody uh, benefits from that. God, Dan, I am so glad that I asked you to be a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I think that everybody who's listening, you know, they, they have to be impressed with what you're doing. They have to have thought a little bit deeper today during this somewhat long episode of Cool Things. But also, you know, there's got to be somebody out there who says, I got to know more about Dan Griffin. So how in the world do people find out about you, about your training programs, about your book, about all the good things that you do to, to serve the greater good? How do they find you? Just close your eyes and say my name three times. And I will appear. (laughs) (laughs) That's the first time anyone has ever given that answer. Uh, That's kind of funny. I kind of picture you like an insurance commercial now. (laughs) No, uh, that doesn't work that well. Darn. Just yet. Uh, They can go to my website, dangriffin.com, and it's G-R-I-F-F-I-N.com. And I love feedback. I love people who say, hey, I heard you, and this is what I was hoping to find on your website, but I didn't quite find it, or this is what I really... Um, liked. 
but the website is really one of um, the best ways. You can get my books on Amazon, but you can see a little bit of video and you can learn a little bit more about the man rules on my uh, website. You can reach me, dan at dangriffin.com and make it a point. We get back to I or somebody will always get back to you um, within 24 hours, even if it's just to say hi and we'll get back more in touch. That's a huge value of ours. Um, so I would say those are really the two, two biggest ways. And, um, you know, I really appreciate you having me honestly, when I, it's, it's really funny. I almost contacted you after seeing the questions and was like, I don't know if I'm really the guest for you. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yet you have to you've like nailed every question out of the park. Yeah. So, well, that's good. So I still have some humility and tact. <laughs> well, again, I think that you were the right guest at the right time. And I'm sure that there's somebody who listened to this who needed to hear your message exactly today. So again, Dan, thanks for being on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. For those of you who have tuned in and stuck with us all the way here to the end, thank you very much for being part of the show and, and chiming in uh, with your ears and listening. If you would like to uh, send a tweet to either Dan or me and just say, hey, I really enjoyed the show do that. It, it really makes my whole day when the listeners let me know that they're listening. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do Facebook page, where I'm hoping we can start a little bit more dialogue so you can reach out there. Uh, and then you can always just email me at tom at tomsinger.com. Recently, I've had three or four listeners contact me about coaching them and, and some other opportunities. And you know, aside from the, oh yeah, I can make money, I just love it when I know I'm making a difference and that people like this show. So, you know, just let me know, hey, I like the show, and you'll probably make my whole day go up about tenfold. So thank you for listening, and we're going to be back in a couple of days with uh, another interview with somebody just as cool as Dan Griffin. I, I know, Dan, that's, you're probably thinking that's hard, right? <laughs> but we find uh, them. <laughs> we, we get the people at that level every time. So uh, we'll be back in a couple There's days. many out there. <laughs> that's many, right. Many, out there. So Tom, thanks so much for having me, and, and thanks for doing this. And, and you know, you made it easy. Yeah, and, well, and, th and that's the sign of, of of somebody who's in the space that they're supposed to be. I came in here wondering, you know, if I could contribute. You made it really easy, so thank you. Well, great, thank you. And so, everybody, go on out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.